Hello and welcome again to another Skyline podcast. The 2011 regular season has just ended. We had not one but two Game 157s, one in which a legend will live on forever, one in which the Dodgers came back late. With me to discuss the 2011 season and postseason are Drich and Trent. How are you two doing today? We're both good. Trent's probably doing better than I am. I'm very, very happy. I got my beer in hand, my Phillies hat on, all is well. Um, so first off, I'd like to apologize to Davin Tooks. He pitched a hell of a game in a game that ended up not, uh, counting. Uh, there was a mess up on my part in, uh, not getting something saved. Um, so apologies for that, but we came back. It all ended up working out for the best. Yeah, um, that sucked, but, um, yeah. I actually think it went about as good as we could have hoped for. I think so, too. I mean, the the first time that I simmed that, because I went into the San Francisco Dodgers game, I put in the the, the adjusted lineup for San Francisco, the one he should have had, um, and just went to the sixth inning to see where it was. And it was Dodgers 2, Giants 1. The only hit was a solo home run. Phillips had been fantastic. Um, so I figured might as well go from there. That's perfect. You know, my thought was we, we could re-sim, like, all night until we got exactly 2-0. 2-1's <laughs> pretty damn close, and uh, the Dodgers were in control, so I'm glad they actually won, just so there's not a big asterisk on Giants' first postseason berth. I was a little disappointed, like everybody was, of course, but uh, but I uh, was pleased with the outcomes. Um, do you guys uh, Did you guys have rooting interests in those games? I admit I was sort of rooting for San Fran. Oh, uh, me too. Get, get all sorts of new guys in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm a, how do you not root for the underdog? Right, right. But after um, the fiasco, then I was just like, all right, let's just right. get the team that was winning from the first game, get them to the next round so we can forget I, about it. I was it. also a little disappointed that uh, Phillips didn't get his uh, 300th strikeout. He he got pulled uh, I know. In, by the uh, AIGM. But but in any event, we are uh, uh, we're so much the better. You guys think that the uh, Central dodged a bullet by getting uh, Casey instead of Milwaukee? I'm not entirely sure. Um, that Milwaukee team is good, but that pitching staff was just so atrocious. They gave up 909 runs this year. They they gave up more runs than they scored. Yeah, but I still have a little faith in Williams and Lowe. Like, if they were in the playoffs, I'd be a little more afraid of Milwaukee. Are the Kansas City Royals dangerous in the playoffs? Shit. We kind of learned that everybody's dangerous to a point. Uh yeah, they got a pretty good, well-rounded team, but they did win 81 games, so we can't be too afraid. They couldn't really score this year. I'd be a lot more afraid of facing Brandon and Schumacher and Pruitt than facing, you know, the corpse of Dusty Zeller. What about Nate Riley, who in the recent went three for four with a double instead of the um, atrocious day that he had? The offer or whatever he took in the first version. Yeah, yeah he oh. did not have a good day. That was Riley's uh, first three-hit game in about two months. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely sure that that's wrong. Let's take a look at his. Uh, it is. Um, wow. Yeah. Eight sixteen. Do you know who that was against? Is that against his old home? It was against Milwaukee. Oh, he oh, likes the Brewers. Three for five with a home run, two RBIs, and two runs scored in a three-four loss. He was Man. also named Player of the Game. You know what? When you look at his game log, it kind of puts into perspective why this guy's terrible. 
because there's just no hits there. A lot of one for fours with a bomb. Now we'll have we'll ask the follow up question, or I'll ask the follow up question: Are the Los Angeles Dodgers dangerous? Of course, always. Oh you, you my ace. yes, you have one oh, of the, yes. the league's only legitimate aces who you can basically pencil in for a W. I the never the issue is that close. he's only going to be able to go once. Well, but that's just in the series against uh, Seattle. So, yes. So. Yeah, it's, it's a five-game series. I don't think it's crazy. Right. I mean, I think that's reasonable penance for a team in a one-game 157 to have to pay, right? Like, they have to throw their ace. Uh, totally. So, you know, works out okay. But, yeah, no, I think the Dodgers are very dangerous. This is not a team I want to be facing. I think they're dangerous. I mean, they got guys who can hit for average, guys who can hit for power. They pitch well. Bullpen's good. Like, it's it's dangerous. Now, it's really, really game nasty. Of 157, so we obviously the Dodgers say, okay, I'm going to throw Phillips. He's the best. The Giants went out and threw Willie Thiel. What do you guys think of that? Because I, I, I loved that move. They could have easily thrown I Gomez. I thought that was the right move. Interesting. Gomez was only at 40% rest. Thiel was the only really true rested guy. Is that right? Yeah. So Thompson couldn't have gone either? Yep. Uh, no, was... Thompson Thompson uh, had pitched the day before. It was Thiel. Yep. Greenidge had pitched a couple of days before. Yeah. I mean, the only real guy who was going to be able to go was Thiel. And uh, and I, I, I mean, to be fair, Thiel pitched well for them. I mean, look at those numbers. He pitched real well for them. Yeah. Gives you so, good. Five innings and you're not out of the ballgame. It's about all right. you can hope for in a, that situation. It's not terrible, right? So so I think for the most part they did all right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the Giants. Really wanted to see more uh, new blood into the playoffs. So Especially a team like them who invested so much into this playoff run. Right. And, and the just, come up short it, sucks. It hurts. It hurts that this is the second straight year Oh yeah. that they lose in game 157. Yeah, now they have no farm system to fall back on. Um, but looking at the salaries, it looks like only Bone, Vandermeer, Darshik are gone next year. So a lot of these faces are coming back. Gomez coming back. Greenidge coming back. Thiel coming back. Haas coming back. So they can just run it back. And I would expect them to be in a very similar situation. Uh, probably win about 85 to 90 games and be fighting for that three siege. I don't, I don't think this is a team in terrible shape. Not in the slightest. I mean, you're right. Moving forward, not a lot of these guys are, are goners next year. A couple, but not very many. You know. Yeah, but they don't have anyone coming up. You know, if you had right. Sean York uh, joining the rotation next year, I'd feel a lot better. Yeah. Uh, you do still have Ryan Parsons there in AAA. You have George Hartsock there in AAA. When they debut, is it going to be with the Giants? I hope so. Uh, otherwise, you're probably going to package one of them, package both of them to to get an upgrade. And I don't know. I'd like to see some more youth here and not put all your eggs into the win in 2012 basket. Yeah. I mean, this team looks a little old when you look at the ages. I mean, you know, Greenidge is 34. Gomez, Gomez is only 28. That's not terrible. But, you know, I don't think they're – you know, Billy Buckley's 28. When did that happen, right? So, 
I mean, he seems like he's been around forever. So, so some of these guys are getting a little bit up there, but I don't know. This team is sneaky good. This team never looks fantastic when you look at the just players on the roster, and then they always seem to overachieve and win more games. Maybe it's the pitcher's park or something. You know, they get goo on them or something. I don't know, but 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 whatever the case is, Matt always does a good job with this team. I I, I sort of feel like the Giants are pretty well run. You know, yeah, I uh, like this squad too. They don't have any. They don't have a superstar, someone I look at as a perennial all-star. But there's not a lot of holes. The closest thing to a hole is Eric Wade, who had a career year out of nowhere this year. A former California Angel. I was all over Eric Wade. I was shopping for a while. Everyone was like, "Nah, he's not worth anything." Well, and look at what he hit in California. He... A buck eighty-six. No wonder. <laughs> and look at what. But look at what he did his rookie year. <laughs> look at what he did in 2007. And look at what he did again in 2008. Back-to-back uh, years hitting 250, OPS over 760, four war in those two seasons. Yeah, but no one expected what he did this year in Pac Bell. Yeah, it's it, it that that's crazy. I mean, again, it, I'm all for career years. I think that's wonderful. Sort of a little late for this guy to have one. He's 31, but yeah, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't be looking forward to that happening again if I were Matt. So yeah, if his defense didn't totally leave him this year, then probably an all-star player. So, um, yeah, that, 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 uh, those are the game 157s. Just looking around the league, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting to see that, that S plus or, uh, OTP called this before the year. They said the Brewers are going to fall off. We're like, nah, it's not going to happen. They fell off. Yeah, I'm still shocked. Uh, the pitching I can understand, but they just didn't score that many runs. It's not like 874 runs is low, but the 909 the runs given up. Yeah, and it, I mean, all numbers are up this year. So this is a team that you kind of, they could have scored 1,000, I would have guessed. I wouldn't have been surprised if they just scored 1,000 runs. Yeah. I mean, they just looked like they really had it all made. And to be fair, I mean, you guys are right. It's not like, you know, seventh in the West and run scored is all that terrible, right? That That's, that's borderline a playoff number, right? Mm-hmm. This team still hit pretty well. Ryan Pruitt's still a stud. Jim Brandon's still a stud. Shoemaker has to DH now, but he's still a stud, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, so. Yeah, it's sad to see them fall. It it all stems from Juan Ramos, who who the hell knows what's going to happen with him next year. If he's going to oh resign gosh. or he's going to retire. I hope, there's, uh, I hope there's no GM out there who sees, please sign a former pitcher of the year. And uh, gives there's him, one like, that a million comes to bucks. mind. There's one that comes to mind. Who's that? Uh, San Diego. All right. Well, I hope he doesn't do what he did with Figueroa Bugsy. and yeah. do what he did with Hess. Just let these guys drift into the abyss and forgot, forget about them. Yeah, I sort of have a feeling Ramos gets signed by Milwaukee for peanuts. It's just a feeling I have. He was bad enough this year, but that's got to bring down the ass, Gascoche. Oh, and, uh, I, I'm honestly shocked he hasn't retired yet. So... I mean, again, I, I really love the guy. I mean, want to see him, want to see him go out in glory, not like this, but boy, oh boy, maybe it's time. Thirty-eight so, things yeah. aren't going to get better. Do you guys remember the game we played at the preseason, at the uh, mid-season mark this year, which yes. is bigger? Yeah, which I've is bigger. Gone through and tallied each one of these. So the first group that we had at the mid-year: Indians, Twins, and Reds. Twins finished with 70 runs or 70 wins. That was the most. 
Reds with 67. That was the least. Mm-hmm. D-Rich I... had Indians, Reds, Twins. I had Indians, Twins, Reds. Or uh, D-Rich had Indians, Reds, Twins. I had Indians, Twins, Reds. So we flubbed that, although although only by right. one win. Yeah, I can't kick myself. All these teams were within three wins. Right. What are you going to do? That's really tough. Next, Knights, Black Bears, Tigers. This was a little easier. Knights finished with 80 wins. Again, shout out to LV Dan. Love it. Love what he's doing in Vegas. Love what he's bringing to Slack. Love so, it. Before we move on, just real quick. Dan Vegas. Did you guys know the Knights had the third best offense in the league this year? I 100% believe that. I couldn't. I was shocked because they, they were second runs. in the they were second in the West in runs scored. That's a behind huge only number. one team. Incredible. Yeah, some idiot in the Angels probably, but I know first but, team ever to slug over uh, 500 in a season. But uh, but yeah, no, that's crazy town. Also, something here in Twitch, JMO just said that if the Expos have budget space, they will go out and sign Ramos. He'll probably offer him a five-year deal. So he can just play till he's 42 with Nate Purdue, making $9 million a year. I could see it. <laughs> but, I mean, looking at this Vegas offense, Jim Sedgwick, Jim Sedgwick had 19 home runs and 51 RBIs and an 801 OPS in 75 games. The zombie year. You thought yeah, he was it. dead. He comes back. Yep. He came back home to Vegas. Cisneros yeah. had 33 home runs. Juan Moreno hit 350 with 41 home runs. Acadius Aman had 305 with 23 home runs. Juan Soto hit 360. Do you think Sedgwick's going to hit 400 home runs in his career? Uh, what is he, he sitting at right now? He needs 20. Three. I don't see him getting there. Just 20. If he gets re-signed, he, he probably gets there. I think he ends at 395. Boy, oh boy. I think I'll take it. I think I think he'll get it done. I don't know if it happens in Vegas. It's one of the few places it could happen. But here's an interesting question. I got a private message, a DM from Dan Vegas, as I affectionately call him, about Amon, the free agent, Amon, mm. and his ask and everything. Without getting too much into it, would you advise him to sign to an extension? Of any length, the now 29-year-old base-stealing threat that is Amon. Have you noticed that he has since been signed to an extension? Yep. Ooh, yep. it's already over. Five years, $68 million. I am not entirely sure that will age well. Yeah, I don't love it either. Um, I think the dollar per year is fine. I just would have probably cut him off before he gets too old. And he's going to be what? How old is he going to be? 34? It'll be yeah. 34 opening. It'll be just short of 34 on opening day, 2016. It's, yeah, interesting, it's interesting you say that because that was exactly my advice to Dan. Yeah, that and, speed's going to be so much lower and, when he's 34. And and he said that it's five years or he won't sign it. I think I'm letting him walk. I thought that was interesting because you're right. I didn't think the dollar amount was that bad, right? Like really not too terrible. It's really not considering his career output 22 war over six full seasons. I mean, you're probably going to get three war out of him next year. Right. You're probably going to get three war out of him the year after that. But once the base stealing ability goes away, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, but this, this is also someone with sneaky power. I don't know if this is because of Coors light, but he's got 115 home runs in over his six year career. He 23 this year. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of forget how good he was. He's an interesting little player. 
Four or five years ago, Platinum Stick from the West for third base was so stacked because Amon and Brandon and Purdue. Purdue. Like, that was... I mean, he was part of that pillar, like that Mount Rushmore of third baseman. Did you know that he was a part of the trade package for Chris Hergo way back when? Really? He was an angel. He was an angel prospect. He was someone that I had acquired when I took over uh, with the Angels. Wow. And he's the only one of that trade to really make it. Clam was good for a couple of years. Clam was good for a couple of years. Andrade made his way back to our system. And Hergo, for all the bad stuff he had... Set 16 career war in California over three and a half seasons. Yeah, he was one of those guys that in it, in Vegas, he had 10 war seasons. I mean, he was just incredible. One of the best players in the league a couple of years. Uh, definitely I'm, a good trade for California. So, uh, going back yeah, going back to the what's bigger, the Knights ended with 80 wins, Black Bears 74, Tigers 69. I had Tigers, Knights, Black Bears. That was wrong. That's... Uh, D-Rich, as wrong as you could get. Rich had Knights, Tigers, Black Bears. Mm. So at least he got the Close. first. He did not get the Tigers or the Black Bears. This is one Rich got on the nose. Blue Jays, Brewers, Nationals. Blue Jays ended with 79 wins. Brewers, 81. Nationals, 67. Rich had that in order. Brewers, well, Blue Jays, Nationals. You know what? I can't feel very good about it because I, I would have pegged both Milwaukee and Toronto with a hell of a lot more wins than what they did. Um. If I had gone first, I probably would have gone with that, but I wanted to differentiate, so I went Right, sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, The next (laughs) one we both got right, Phillies, Marlins, Royals. Phillies with 88, Marlins, Royals, both with 82. If you want to count that game 157, then the Royals got to 82. Right. Um, I had Phillies, Marlins, Royals. D-Rich had Phillies, Royals, Marlins. We're counting the game 157. Okay, we're counting the game 157. Um, and then the previous division leaders, who these three did not finish as division leaders, Mets, Cubs, Braves. Again, one D-Rich got on the nose. Cubs with 100 wins, Braves with 99 wins, Mets with 98 wins. Mm. I went a step further on this one, however. I said that the Mariners would have more wins than each of these teams and end up with a wild card game, and I was correct about that. That was because they also had the same number of wins as those teams did did. at the All-Star break. Yep, They did, and the Mariners ended up with the second-best record in the league and do not have a bye. Yep, yep. Unfortunate. Crazy town. You guys ready for more Which is Bigger? You want to play now? You want to play later? I'm ready to play now. Let's play now. All right, you guys on uh, Twitch, if you're listening, you can get in on Twitch in the chat. You can get in on General in the chat. We're going to play Which is Bigger again. The object of the game, I'm going to give you three quantities. You're going to tell me which one will be the biggest and which one will be the smallest. I can't and wait. of course, by exclusion, which one's in the middle. We're going to get started right away and cause all sorts of problems. Career war is the category. Which is bigger, the career war of? I, uh, hold on. Before you start, I just want to make sure that this is what we're projecting, not what is currently. Correct. Yep. Okay. We're projecting career war. Of Luis Noyola, Franklin Manriquez, or Jose Galvez. Go. We'll start with Jake. So you're going to need to give me a second to look at these guys. Um, Jose Galvez, Manriquez, and Luis Noyola. 
I'm gonna put. Mm, I'm putting Oyola one because he debuted the same a uh, year before these guys did. Noyola debuted in his age 21 season. He had turned 21 in January. Manriquez debuted at 22. Galvez debuted at 22. Noyola, already through five years, already has 29 war. That's nearly six a year. Um, it's a hell of a head start. It's a hell of a head. It's a hell of a head start. He just had a career year at 25. He has shown minimal signs of regression. Um, I don't know if the the center field out. The center field defense is elite anymore, um, but at the worst, he's a good not he's a good if not great uh, corner outfielder. Between Galvez and Manriquez, you can't go wrong. You you really cannot go wrong. Um, just just looking at the two. If you're on Twitch, you can see that I'm I'm comparing the two. I'm going to look at OSA ratings here just so I don't give you give away give everything away. Um, Galvez is about five months younger. Looking at the career batting stats, it's similar. Manriquez had had the happier head start, um, but Galvez has the higher WPA, the higher weighted runs created plus. It, it's going to be close. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Manriquez. I'm going to go Manriquez over. So I'm going Noyola, Manriquez, Galvez. D. Rich. I think that's the safe call. Uh, Noyola already has a nine-war season under his belt, plus the year head start. And his defense, uh, when he was 22, 23, was the best in baseball, essentially. And Manriquez he was, doesn't have that. He, he was a gold-glove winner. Yeah. Manriquez is, a, is great in center field, but he's not going to be a gold-glover. Um, the, the biggest plus for Manriquez, uh, granted, I do think he might have the best bat of the three, Certainly better than Galvez, but he has not been hurt even for a day so far, which I think helps. And considering Galvez has been hurt multiple times this year, fares very badly for him. So Galvez is, which is smaller for me. Love the guy, but he's going to be number three. Um, you know, I'm going to go a little homer pick. I'm going to pick Manriquez, a guy who's younger, I think is what I'm looking at the ratings, has a bigger bat than Noyola. So the injury history, you factor that in, man, it's so hard. I'm going to go Man Ripper, Noyola, then Galvez. And I, I don't think he can go wrong with that either. I mean, these, these three are all so freaking good. I love Jose Galvez. I'm really worried about the injuries. This is not a good sign. This I'll say this. He's only been hurt four times. He's only 22. It's not like he's going to be a... I don't think he's he's got scroll guy written over him. Right. Wasn't hurt in 09. Had the ankle ligaments in 2010. The fractured thumb in 2011. That's just a hit by pitch. I'd say that's unlucky. I, yeah. I just think that's that's being unlucky. Yeah. The one guy I excluded, of course, was Trujillo, who has broken war. Like, really. <laughs> it's now called Raw. Or something because like we have lost it like he's that that's a man created for war right like whether you love it or hate it that's a guy who broke war in any event I have another one for you career war Jake you went first last time so we'll give this one to D rich career war Pat Covelli I knew this is coming because there's three guys at 50 I knew it Sorry. Sorry. I, I think Sorry. I know who one of the other two guys is going to be, too. Pat Covelli. Lupe Villegas. Yep, yep. 
And, and just to screw with you, Dante Harge is your third player. Ooh. Dante Harge. Okay. Um, I love Pat like, I guess he's 34 now, so I love him like an older brother. And, wow, they're, they're all within a war of each other. It's pretty neat. I think Harge is probably the obvious last pick here. Um, he had a little bit of a resurgence this year, but I think the wheels are coming off. And the why he was valuable in his prime was speed and defense, and that's starting to fall off. So Harge is the smallest. And uh, I want to say Lupe is a little bit younger than Pat. He is by a year. So it's it's really hard not to just say it's Lupe. But... I think Pat's playing first base is just going to be reliable and give me two or three war a year until he's probably 37 or 8. So I'm going to bank on him just lasting a year or two longer than Villegas, which is why I'm going to go with Pat, then Lupe, then Dante. But man, very tough. Uh, I think think Harge is last. He's at 49-1 right now. Uh, Both Covelli and Lupe are at exactly 50.1. Harge probably has another two or three career war in him. If Lupe can do what he just did with California, two war in, in half a year. He's he's only 33, turns 34 in November. He's 10 months younger than Covelli. He's a hitter. He, he's not going to play the field. He's probably not going to play the field much. Um, in 50 games this year, he was a minus three, which isn't terrible. It's not good, but it's not terrible. Um, Covelli at first base was was a was a net negative, albeit barely. I think there's a good chance both these guys just DH starting next year till they. I, I think I think there is too. I think I think it's about time Covelli DHs. I don't know what McCullough looks like defensively. Pretty fantastic. So I, he's probably the the DH. I if Lupe was able to hit in hit in a pitcher's park this year, he was able to hit last year in. A pitcher's park. I think he's got another three seasons of three plus war. I don't think Covelli has that. I think you know Villegas. What? I think Villegas gets to sixty war. I think Covelli falls just short. I think you're right. Uh, fuck. I hate saying that, but I think you're right. Villegas has just never been hurt, and Pat missed you know, fifty games this year again. It, it. Would you have gotten it right if I asked you which one of these three guys was the youngest? Lupe. Yeah. Would you have gotten that right? I was shocked. These three guys. Doesn't it seem like Villegas has been around for freaking ever? It does. It does. Yeah, he wouldn't have been my choice. He is I still cannot get over Covelli that 2006 season. If you guys were looking at Record Watch that I put in Stat Central, oh, yeah. I, I just kept fawning over this season. Yeah, how do you he not? Would, he was incredible that year. I mean, again, won the Triple Crown. Wasn't done before, hasn't been done since. He's and he, incredible. he didn't just win the Triple Crown. He smashed every category. Right. I mean, was... and that's nine war with negative defense. I mean, yeah, you, you, that's that's so this is a little foreshadowing, but but there's been all this talk about Joe Souders. Joe Souders had an absolutely fantastic year. No one is saying anything differently. However, you see what a season like Vegas looks like when it's just a below average defense, when it's just minus five zone rating. You can see that he can still pump out that nine war when that defense gets to minus 22 at shortstop yeah he had he had another minus three at second base but another minus 22 zone rating at shortstop that's when you see that war dip below seven just because of the defense 
Yeah, Villegas was, I, I mean, again, his triple slash was 354-437-04. I mean, that's just, that's video game numbers. And, and for those of peop- everyone else uh, who's newer to the league, who wasn't here in 06, offense, like, our ball is hot right now. Offense is way up. Those numbers were a little more unheard of back right. in 06. But it's funny, as you pull that up, I'm watching your Twitch. I look at Lupe's 06 OPS plus. It's 187, which is absurd. I thought unbreakable. Angel Trujillo, 187 this year. And his, <laughs> incredible. And his OPS was lower. That's interesting. That is well, interesting. he did play in Texas, which certainly helps. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I mean, Trujillo's, right. uh, Trujillo's OPS was 1132, which was only two hundredths of a point, uh, uh, 25 thousandths. Uh, or sorry, 25 ten thousandths of a point lower than, than Villegas. It's really not much different at all. No, so. it's not. Yeah. I mean, so. Trujillo had the second highest war, the second highest single season war ever. Yeah. All right, we're going to switch uh, tax in uh, which is bigger here. We're going to make you guys... Uh, uh, owners of your own casino, and you are giving odds. And these are win the Skyline Championship odds. Which is bigger? The Skyline Championship odds to win it all of the Chicago Cubs. So, oh, wait. So which is, so what's high? What, what would be the well, highest? High, like the, the... high would be a lot of odds, right? They're favorites to win it all. Okay. Right? Like, so, yeah. Okay. So, so the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets, or the Seattle Mariners? Which is biggest, which is smallest? All right. I'll take the lead here. I think Seattle's probably uh, about 1 to 10 to win. 10 to 1. 10 to 1, excuse me. Uh, I think just playing an extra round hurts their odds a lot. Yep. That's what's going to kill them. This, I would bet on Seattle over both of these teams, but the off chance they lose to the L.A., that, pen, that knocks them down a peg. And... I just have to choose the Mets always in the playoffs. The Cubs are probably the better team on paper, but they're missing Jenkins, and they don't have this guy named Ernesto Pons. So I'm always going to go in favor of. Uh, I'm always going to go in favor of the Mets, even though they do have to play around. I just can't really imagine a scenario where they lose to this barely over 500 Blue Jays team. Like that matchup, playing Toronto versus playing LA, is night and day. So it's really close, but I would say New York, Chicago, Seattle. Jake. I'll say this. If I'm the Cubs, I'm scared of, I'm scared about playing Houston. I'm not sure I'm scared about playing the Royals, but I'm scared about playing Houston. I think really? I would agree. Yes. I'm not afraid. Uh, again, the just playing that first series, I'm on board with, with that Seattle there. Not only that they'd have to go through the Dodgers, but no team would have a tougher second round matchup. Uh, we're talking about a 102-win team that doesn't have home field advantage. They, 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 would, be, they would be in a seven-game series with California having home field. And then after that, they'd, may, they'd, they'd be going through the Cubs. I mean, there is no tougher road to the Skyline series than the Mariners. There, there isn't. Yeah. Except for the I Dodgers. Think I think that's probably Except oh, for the right. Dodgers. Um, <laughs> So I think the Mariners are probably at about that 10 to 1, 12 to 1 odds. I think the Cubs, because of where they're laying right now, I, th- I think I'm with you on that. I put the Cubs at probably 8 to 1. And then the Mets, just because of how, how weak the East is this year. And we see that there are three teams in the West with 100-plus wins. 
there's only one team in the East with 100 plus wins. I don't know. I'm not going to split hairs over two or three wins. I mean, that but... that's fair, but the, the Mets have a much easier schedule of getting there. They, they Montreal to... and whoever comes out of the Atlantic is pretty much is just as they're just as scary as the division leaders in the West. Except what the Mets, what Met, what the Mets have that the Cubs don't have and the Angels don't have, Pons. I'd put the Mets at probably five to one odds, eleven to two, just just ahead of the Cubs. So it I'm going to that one. Very good. It sounds like no one's surprised if we had a crystal ball. We looked into it and we saw that the Mets won it all. No one's shocked. Right? No. Um, no, I actually think the Mets is the best team they've had in a, quite a while. Right, uh, the rotation's more complete. They're scoring more runs than they ever have. So if we look, based, if we look into our that, crystal, if we look into our crystal ball and see that the Mariners won it all, are we shocked? No, I'm not. It's the second best team in baseball. Go ahead, Jake. You were going to say something. Um, so this is again. We said this at, at mid year, but we said if there was a year that that the four number ones make it out, this would be the year. I don't see it happening. I'm never going to bet on that. Never. It wouldn't right. shock me, though, I guess. I don't know. They're the best four teams. But Atlanta's super banged up. Montreal's not head and shoulders better than the, than New York. So, yeah, it'd be a, it's always a surprise. It's interesting. It's interesting, right? I mean, do you, you don't think the Astros are scary, D-Rich? I think they're a, a healthy tier below the rest of the two seats. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I just uh, outside of Trujillo, the the lineup isn't super strong. Rodolfo Gomez had a hell of a year. Yeah, he was so cheap too. Do you remember how cheap they got him for? I Sterling know. did a good job there. Was Gomez that a first day signing? So good. No. No, that was a couple days in. I guess everyone talked themselves out of it, and they're regretting it. Because I see, I see ratings like those that you just showed. Those aren't. Uh, very Those aren't elite ratings. What are, these are, these are elite ratings, though. These are elite. On Helcher Hio. Well, who, yeah. by the way, will miss games one and two. Right. That's, that's the big deal. That's the biggest deal of that whole series. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd feel... I feel badly for Matt, because I'm glad that all these new guys made it into the playoffs. I know what that feels like, so I'm happy for him. But boy, oh boy, I feel like that was more dangerous if it were the Brewers for some reason. Maybe I'm overselling the Brewers. I don't know. I don't think so. They, they, the Brewers just have an aura. Yeah. They've been there. They've done it. We, yeah. we talked about it. We I went through the other day and saw which teams have gone back-to-back. Not, not even as Skyline champions, but just back-to-back appearances. The Brewers went three straight years. See, and that's the reason why I would be shocked if Seattle won at all. It's just so hard to go back to back. But yeah. the reason why I think the Brewers are more scary is because we know that they're capable of basically not only getting to the championship, but they're capable of winning 100 games. Right. Kansas City, no offense to Matt, because congratulations on making your first playoff appearance. You won 82 games. I'm not very afraid of a, a team that was barely over 500 until the last week of the year. And this was a team that 13th in runs scored, 12th in OPS, 13th in batting war. This, this, they, the pitching staff carried them. Third in pitching war, fifth in runs against. That's a really interesting point. This team is so pitching driven. You're right. I hadn't noticed that before. Boy, they came out of nowhere. I did not see that happening. The Brewers ended up tying with the Royals after that last sim. Boy, oh boy. That's strange. Yeah, the, the Royals are hot. That's the, what they have going for them. They won All right. six out of the last seven. All right. Seven more than that. We have one more odds makers choice here. 
highest odds to win it all. Lowest odds to win it all. Which is bigger? The Montreal Expos, the Atlanta Braves, the California Angels. Dear Charlotte, you take this first. Um, I think the Angels have the best chance. They have the best record. They're completely healthy, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, they lost Tingle, but it's reliever. They lost Truett, reliever. You can get over that. Atlanta's banged up and hasn't been playing the best baseball. We're, we just lost Silky, we just lost Butrico, and we just lost McCullough, all for the playoffs. So having three bats, three regulars, who all are great defenders, I, I'm not super optimistic about the Braves. Uh, these injuries just all were so untimely. And Montreal, uh, I'm not in love with this team, but they are red hot. They had an awesome last month. So I would say Angels, Montreal, Atlanta. The Angels earned the earned the right to be the odds-on favorites going in, D. Rich, you think? I think so. I mean, it's hard to argue with the best record and the best health. Well, and the best run differential, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you There's know. not holes there. Right. I haven't so. even looked at run differentials, but I remember thinking the Angels was miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah. I believe the final run differential we had was plus 354. The next close was the next closest was Atlanta 301. Yeah. We were four games below our Pythagorean differential, our yeah. Pythagorean record. Yeah. We were could've, five, yikes. Could have won 109 games, yeah. Even more than that. Jake, do you have an opinion on uh, Angels, Braves, Expos? If if the Angels were in the North, I think it would not be a question. But we could have to go through Seattle and the Cubs. Potentially, the, arguably the second and third best team in the league. Do the, Angels, do the Angels have the toughest road of any one seed, even yes. though they're the best team? Yes. I think the answer has to be yes, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose it does. Um, I think you're underestimating the North. New York and Montreal, these are both basically one seats. These are both awesome teams. I'm saying if we were there instead of Montreal or New York. Right. Yeah, if, we, you, if we were there instead of Montreal. I, yeah, I'd much rather go through New York and then the Atlantic winner than Seattle and the Central winner. What, what I'm saying is I don't think there's much of a difference between saying, oh, my God, we have to take the Mariners on versus we have to play the Mets. I'd rather play Seattle than New York. You'd rather have that pitching staff than Pons in the game. Yeah, I would. Well, I'd, I'd rather – I think Seattle's a weaker team right now. I I, I would – call and me crazy. Just, I would rather go against Pons and Alvarado. I would rather have to face Pons twice and Alvarado twice. I faced Alvarado twice. It does not go well for us. Is that because he's left-handed, screws with the lineup a little, I things like that? I think it is. Got something because, to do with because it. Because we had those stud lefties. We have Noyolo, Resendiz, um Rivera's uh, uh, Rivera's good on both sides, a little stronger, I guess, against lefties. But Salmonen's stronger against uh, righties. So it's tough. Right. The, the New York offense is scarier to me. And Seattle just lost Galvez again. The defense is going to take a hit. The offense is going to take a hit. But they've still got Alameen Kinder Flores. Miracola. <laughs> It's interesting. Do, Jangles was saying, do we, des- do we deserve a little guff for underselling the Expos this year? Because we sort of did, if you think back to the opening day, you know, the opening uh, pod. Well, I certainly didn't see them winning whatever they won, 15 in a row or something. Well, I mean, and 101 this... on the season, I didn't see that coming again. Yeah, they were 21-4 and four in September. 
uh, it's an awesome run. I think the only reason why it came across like we were underselling the Expos is because they made the championship last year. Right. Um, and to not undersell them was is like assuming they're going to get back. And I don't think that was a safe bet. I think this is going to be a contender for two or three more years, and then they're going to face the wrath of Nate Purdue's contract. And, and Bob Mark Reeser's contract. contract. Yeah, they'll start eating crow for it, but the next two years are going to be nice. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll ask the same question. If we went into the crystal ball and we saw that Montreal won it all, anybody really surprised? Yeah, I'd be surprised on that. I suppose I would be too. Um, I, I say that and like, I'm such a pussy, but anyone can win. Nothing would really shock me, but the fact that they made it back last year, it's really hard to do it twice. And they have a tough road. Because whoever comes out of the Atlantic is going to be, it's pretty scary, I think. You have to beat New York. It's just, it's so hard to win the championship. I'm almost surprised anyone can do it. <laughs> Which brings us to two teams we haven't really talked about. We've done that sort I still of haven't given my. I still haven't given my odds. Oh, yeah, we'll go right ahead. What you got? Are you going to give the Angels the best odds? I, I'm going to, no, I think the Braves have the best odds. I wow. see the injuries. But this is still the team that was first in nearly every Eastern region batting category. They still have Bourne. They still have Cavelli. They still have Gomez. They've got Eddie Hill and Mays at the top. They've got uh, Steve Manning, who is pretty, really, really good. Tyler Trim, baby. Tyler Trim. Tyler Trim. He was not even in the rotation right now. That's why I missed him. Tyler Trim went 18-1. and one. Yeah, our rotation's very strong, one through three. And then you've got Manning there at four, and you can do a lot worse than Manning. I Not think terrible. I think the injuries are overblown by I believe Silky would be back I believe for the regional championship series. Correct, and that's a huge if. It's just an if if we get there. So right. I'd go Braves at three to two, three to two odds. Angels at two to one odds. Expos at four to one odds. All right, your con your concept of odds is horrible. Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> because all all of that can't be possible, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in if any we're three to two, that means we're pretty damn, damn favorites. But, in, plus one fifty. In any event, in any event, which brings us to two teams that we haven't really talked about. Well, maybe three. We've talked about the Dodgers a little. We haven't really talked about Toronto much, um, and we haven't really talked about those pesky number two and number three seeds in the Atlantic. Are the Pittsburgh Pirates sort of forgotten about? Oh yeah. Are we forgetting about them dangerously? They had a like, better run differential team, than the Mets this year. Could this team really reach up and bite everybody and win it all and say, F you, call us the Infernals if you want? I if think so. We, if um, Nate Fort didn't get hurt, that's going to hurt. The thing people forget about the Pirates is, well, for one, they rattled off 11 straight wins to end the year. So their record finally looks pretty good now. But right. it was looking nasty before. It was looking like they weren't even going to be the two seed. But they were banged up all year, and they're finally healthy. I know they just lost Fort, but, I mean, that sucks, of course. But Fort wasn't very good this year. Uh, essentially, this team's all healthy. So this is the best iteration of the Pirates we've seen all year. So, yeah, they should be scary. And are the Philadelphia Phillies scary? I am honestly terrified of the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, Adding Justin Muller helped so much. Yeah. So, Stealing so Justin much. Muller. We'll get into hitting. It looks like just, uh, Jason Foley actually had a really, really good second half of the year. 
Yeah, he did. 823 OPS in July, 977 OPS in August, 906 OPS in 32 September plate appearances. He's the number two hitter in that series against the Infernals. Those yep. ratings are so juicy. If you can see what's on my screen right now, those ratings are so juicy. 70 contacts, 70 gaps, 70 home run, 55 I, 55 avoid K. That's juicy. He's a hell of a he's a hell of a player if he just plays up to his ratings. I hope this is foreshadowing of his impending, you know, fantasticness in 2012. But yeah, I mean, it it are the are are the Phillies in the best position of the three seeds because they haven't had to play a play-in game, and they're just a little bit better than Toronto. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I also think this is the best of the three seeds. You think we're better than the Dodgers? I'm not sure we that, that I, I would do. take those odds, but okay. I'm a believer. Yeah, I mean that that rotation is strong. At least the one through three: Gravel, Muller, Hoover. Yep. Do you see Hoover took another hit? He's down to oh, 86, 86 to 80, 88. Oh, God, to 88. he's done. He's done. He's toast. That, that is my number one starter That's against the Infernals. That's a two-mile-per-hour hit. Are you, you sure you don't want to rethink that, bud? Remember, it's still time to take him off that playoff roster. Boy, oh, boy, that's crazy. Well, here's, here you go. If you really want to get into this, we won't talk about this too much. But if you click on the Pirates and you go to Team Info, you see Why would that— Why not throw Muller in Game 1? Well, you could throw Muller in Game One. Let's I throw Muller Game One, Gravel Game Two. You can do that. Yeah, I, I know you could. Yes, you could. Listen, hold on. More than welcome to talk me out of this. This is our okay? GM of the year here, Jake. So, so up. I, oh, I and so, I know exactly where you're going to point at. You're going to point at versus left-handed starting yep. pitchers. They're uh, they've got a five eleven. They are one game over five hundred against lefties. The other thing you can do is on Hoover's stats, and you can see home road splits. He's terrible. In Citizens Bank Park. Awful. He's much better on the road. Okay? So my thinking here is Hoover goes one. I was going to pitch Espinosa in game two because I'm crazy. Then you go for the two lefties. And if that doesn't work, you come back. You have Muller-Gravel lined up in games three and four at home. I get what you're saying. but I would. So here's the better question. Who would you want in a game five? In a game five winner-take-all situation, who do you want on the mound? Well, let me, be, you, let me be honest. Before, before, and you might even disagree with this. Before the recent rating sit, it was Hoover for me. That's and I, I, I don't disagree with that, considering the year that now, he had. So, so you would have to argue to me that the ratings hit alone changes the answer to the question. He had four and a half Ks through nine. That FIP was a four seven two. Up from a point last year, his it, win his it, win probability uh, added was minus one. I get what you're saying, but you got to throw Muller game one, Hoover game two, Gravel. Or, uh, I get what you're saying, but if you're not going to pitch one of those lefties twice, then you need to throw Muller game one. Gravel well, you're not going you're not going to pitch Espinosa twice. That makes no sense, right? Then, so if you're going to so regardless, you're going to pitch a lefty twice. It's got to be Hoover. But you just I, don't, don't I think I'd rather twice. get I think I'd rather get two games out of Mueller. And if that's the case, you throw Mueller game one, Gravel game two, or Hoover game two if you don't want him pitching in Citizens Bank. Right. And then Gravel game three, Espinosa game four, Mueller get, yeah. again game five. I like that's what that I do. Is uh let let Hoover pitch in PNC, but you don't want him pitching twice. Mm. You know what? I actually thought this rotation was better. Maybe I I'm not as into the Phillies as I thought. I mean, Gravel, Gravel, Muller are, are a very strong one too. Gravel had a Gravel-like year. His ERA is near four. 
you know, it's it's a Gravel-esque sort of year. He's not going to win any pitcher of the year votes, but, you know, he's what he was. The guy with the surprising year was Hoover. Just came out of nowhere. He was so good. You going to re-sign him? Oh, boy, that's rough. You got, you've got that $10 million team option for it's next year. It's a seven mil difference because it's a three mil buyout. Is it worth seven mil? Yes. Oh, Do not buy him out. Do not. Or, uh, sorry, buy him out. Do not have him on the roster next year. Boy, oh boy. It's sort of, six to 88. It sort of depends on what he's like in the playoffs, right? It might also depend, and we've talked about the Phillies too much. We'll get picked on for it. But no, it, also, it, also sorts of, it also sort of depends on what else happens. Does Brandon, does Short execute his player option? Because if he comes back, because if Daryl Short comes back, I don't have as much money as I used to. Right. I'd always sort of assumed because it's the safest assumption that short was going to opt out. That's a tough call, man. It's close. I feel like I'm actually in a similar situation with Pippi. Uh, both guys who are lefties. So right. that's valuable. They're soft tossing lefties. Right. But they're falling apart. And I don't think Pippi's going to pitch in the playoffs for me. I don't think he's going to make the playoff roster. I, I so wouldn't blame maybe you that, that. Maybe that will give you a feeling of. What I would do if I had Hoover. Yeah, well, I don't have a fourth. I don't have another starter. I have Cardona. It's not I, that, I you just, know, not missing the playoffs, but more so not giving him that second start. Right, 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 right. I understand what you're saying. I'll think about it. It's an interesting theory. Interesting Aren't you glad theory. we're simming tomorrow? You can think about it all night. But, yeah, well, yeah, I'll stew about this. Because trust me, I will stew about it. Um, you know, I'll have another beer. Adjust my Phillies cap and we'll go from there. All right, enough about this. All right, I only have one more for you. This can get into our next topic. One more, which is bigger. I want to know who you will predict, not wins, and not who you're going to vote for, but who has the most first place votes for West Player of the Year, Position Player of the Year. Well, I think. Um... Is it most first place votes? Is it Joe Souders? Angel Trujillo or Luis Noyola, which is bigger? Well, I'm going to take this one. Um, Noyola is a number two at best. He had a great year, but if you're looking at hitting with defense, he's behind Trujillo. If you're looking at strictly hitting, he's also behind Souders. I think that if you put together the defense, he's better than Souders. I know what I said previously, that Souders would be my number two. Noyola's looked good over the last couple weeks. Souders... For everything he's done, that defense, I just couldn't get over it. So I did put Noyola at number two on my ballot, and we will get to that. I hey. think Trujillo's the number one. Satters will get the second most, and I don't think Noyola should get any first-place votes. I can understand the argument for Satters that everyone's throwing out there. While I don't agree with it, I understand the arguments. Trujillo will get the overwhelming amount of first-place votes. Souders will get the second most, and I think Noyola may, may, may get one or two. Um, I think we already know which is bigger. We have 12 votes in or 13 votes in, and it was inevitable. It's Trujillo. We don't need to gush over him anymore. It's not even fucking close. Like, if it was just hitter of the year, it's still Trujillo. Any way you cut it, there's not an argument to be made for Saunders. I this is when, coming from the biggest Souders fan in the league. I do like Joe a lot. I like Joe a lot. I think that if it were just hitter of the year still, 
uh, one can make the argument for Satters being number two. I'm not even tough. sure. You, I'm not even sure you can make the argument for Satters being two now that it's not. I mean, I think I'm going to put him four. I might put him five. I might not put him on my ballot at all. See, and that so I don't yell at Jake. Yell who at would me. You, who would Come you put? Me, who would you put ahead of him? Juan Moreno? I, I yeah, can't do that. Maybe. Souter. Souter's maybe. had more war than Moreno. He was fourth in the West in war. So yeah, even with maybe. that atrocious defense, he was still yeah. just behind Tony Flores. Right. He's a top four guy at a minimum. I think uh, I'm going to vote for Tony Flores ahead of Souter's. And and I think if based on based on that argument that that war takes everything into effect correctly then Flores is deserving over Souders because he also had the defensive component. Again, this is in no way a knock on Joe Souders. Joe Souders had potentially the best offensive season by a shortstop ever, and that includes Ian Ott and John Hayes. And However, probably the best offensive season of anybody since, you know, 06. I mean, maybe, right? Like, it's so incredible. And again, if Trujillo does not exist in this universe, it's a much different argument because there wouldn't be anyone on the same hitting field as Trujillo. The biggest difference, and I'm going to touch on the advanced metrics here for a second. Joe Souders, yes, he led the league among shortstop in fielding percentage and errors. Three errors, a 995 fielding percentage. However, what fielding percentage does not take into place is the balls that he cannot get to. Defensive efficiency and zone rating take that into effect. If I stand somewhere and don't move and just get all the balls that are hit to me and don't make an error, I'm going to have that fielding percentage of 1,000. But the balls that are two feet to the left of me that I don't make a play on, it's just not going to go anywhere on the defense, on the fielding percentage of the errors because I didn't make a play on the ball, so I can't be penalized for it. Zone rating and defensive efficiency penalize me for not being able to make a play on a ball that a good shortstop would be able to make. Stepping yeah, I think it's, my soapbox now. I think it's pretty basic baseball. Not much difference between an error when the ball goes through your legs and when you just it's out of reach. Seems simple. So him having three errors means jack shit to me. I think Souders is fantastic. I love Joe Souders. I just I, don't I, really see the I, argument. I'd, I'd, I'd play him at second base. I'd play him at oh, DH. Yeah, maybe. I think he's, you he's just a, don't play him at shortstop. He's a really I, I, he good second baseman, too. I think, I think he's a good second baseman with that 75 error and 80 turn DP. He's a great second baseman. Yeah. Just off strictly offensively, though. I think Trujillo edges him out. Yeah. Oh my. Strictly yeah. offense. Even if you just look at offense, he's better. Yeah, Not I mean, by lots, but by a little. The no, OPS the, the, plus is pretty significant. Right. It is. It's a difference of seven. And again, this is we, we're splitting hairs between two of the three or four best players in Sky. Yep. So that's part of why this gets heated because it, it goes back to the like if you want to talk about real life, we talk about the goat argument all the time. Let's talk about basketball. MJ versus LeBron. You're, you're splitting hairs between those guys, but those arguments get so heated. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of unfortunate that you have to split that hair and make it sound like you're really talking crap about somebody who we really love, right? That's what's unfortunate. But but if you're going to split that hair, you know, I don't apologize for saying Joe Schitzauder was a really damn shitty shortstop this year. The those worst are, ever, I think. The, the, no, the, do you know who's wor- he, uh, someone put up a worst zone rating at shortstop last season? Jesus. Someone that we always shit on for playing shortstop, Tim Shields. Oh. Who, by the way, I will talk about later. I will, too, when we get to that uh, platinum stick. We will. Um, so with that, do you guys want to go and do uh, award voting? Yeah, we can. So let's start. If you go to uh, the league results, you can see roughly where we are. We're going to stop. At the, start at the top here. We're going to start with GM of the year. Um, first place vote. 
it wasn't even a question for me. I think there's one GM that's head and shoulders above everyone else this year. That, my friend, is Trent Snyder. Trent, you got my first place vote. You got the first place vote from eight others. It is well-deserved. 88 wins, a playoff appearance, fantastic. Good for you. Second place vote goes to Steve Higgins in Chicago, another 100-win season. I didn't see it coming. I honestly did not see it coming. You know, it's so hard to vote. Five GMs is a lot. Uh, It is. Um, I believe it used to be three. It's been expanded to five. Um, Third place goes to Dustin Holbrook. Second best record in the league. Fantastic season again from Seattle. Fourth, Matt Carlisle in San Francisco. Fifth, Matt Kramer in Kansas City. It's tough. I think it's Trent and a whole bunch of schmucks. We have 31 idiots in Trent. That's what I think. Uh, he's going to run away with this as he should. Making the playoffs for the first time, that earns you a lot of points. Considering where he came from two years ago, that earns a lot of points. And it wasn't – what's interesting about Trent is uh, this Phillies rebuild, we kind of think it was like a – I mean, it was a long process all the way down when you had the first overall pick. But you ended up making the playoffs with not that many homegrown guys, at least in the pitching side of things. You went out and made a whole bunch of trades, including a great one for Mueller. And so I value that a lot, making a move midseason that propels you to the playoffs. Interestingly enough, I believe looking at this lineup, at least the lineup he has right now, seven of the nine starters uh, were homegrown. Goudreau, Foley, Chevalier, excuse me, Bilbrey, I would consider him homegrown. Um, yeah. Just because he was so young when he was traded. It's really the pitching staff. Uh, it really is. Hoover, Espinosa, Muller, Gravel. All, and, all and Cardona. All five of them are brand new this year in Philly. Ito, the whole the whole group. Yeah, those were all trades. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- let me say a couple of things. First of all, thanks for the props. Uh, I'd rather have the... Uh, the skyline championship than the GM of the year, but tell me about we, it. We can't make, we can't make those sorts of deals, but whatever. Um, but thanks for the heads up. I'm going to vote for Dustin Holbrook again, uh, just because uh, I think he does more with less than almost any of us. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to some rebuilds. Uh, Ignacio Valencia, Iggy Nacho, uh, affectionately. Uh, really like what I'm seeing from the Washington rebuild. Uh, hope to see him in the playoffs. Uh, where I can vote for him, number one, GM of the year soon. Uh, uh, Adam Kiefer, really like what I'm seeing from the Colorado rebuild. Got him on my list. Uh, Steve Higgins uh, made a bunch of trades, lost war, and was just as good this year as he was last year. That That's impressive work. And so uh, he gets a vote for me. And then Jake Speller, I think he deserves to be on the list there at number five for the best record in the sky. Um yeah, it depends. I've been down on rebuilds very early in my career. I'm sort of pro rebuilds now. Wow. I mean, I, I think I think that the way to rebuild is you you first of all you have to trade at the right time. I think that's one of the things that I didn't do very well early on, is that I lost Ferrarini and got nothing. He just left, right? I lost Mike Mannion and got nothing. He just left. Right. If you go back to the start. Um, But I traded some of these guys and got pretty good value. You know, Bill Bray was uh, was was a guy I got in a trade. Uh, uh, My middle infield, Goudreau and Borman are guys I got in trade. Uh, They're both awesome this year. Right. Um, And so, you know, uh, Paramo came back to me in a trade. Um, But, yeah, so I think that I'm pro pro uh, 
pro rebuilding that and and again i made a joke about this but i'm only half kidding is is the only way to rebuild is you have to be willing to suck royally it does you no good to halfway rebuild and end up with number nine picks in the first round you have to get the really good top picks because if nothing else they make great trade fodder now did you have great trade fodder did you have any great top picks I had one. I had the one one two years ago. I know, and but Tyler Olson. Well, it's right, really he, just a matter no, of he's no Daniel Hathaway. Right, but he's not. But it doesn't matter. I don't have him anymore. Thank he was God. Part of the Mueller deal, which is a crazy deal to me still. Part of the Mueller deal. Yep. And so that 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 that's the way to do it. I mean, even if you don't get guys, you, you who you're gonna make a part of your system, because you're probably right. I don't think I trade Hathaway because he would have been the number one spec for the Mueller deal, but. Either that or you do if it's, you know, straight up Mueller for Hathaway. It would have been a more fair trade. Right. But uh, but in any event, I mean, you know, thanks for the votes. Appreciate it. Thanks, for the, used to thanks it. for the nice props. Yeah, I know. Next year I'll be shat on after I get swept by the Infernals. So, so that brings know. us to— Or if you're good, everyone's going to be sick of you and you'll never get a vote again. <laughs> exactly. I, enjoy I this I can... little window when people appreciate you. <laughs> that brings us on to Eastern Region Hitter of the Year. Um, this was – it was an easy first place vote for me. It was Silky. Two and three, I, I, I flip-flopped on this. And it's not between the two you think it is. Um, I ended up with McMichael at two and Key Tech Kim at third. I did not realize just how good of a year Kim had. Hey, Triple's leader, too. All time. Yeah, all time. All time broke Noyola's record. He had a hell of a September. Absolutely yeah. fantastic September. He got my third place vote. Juan Guerrero got my fourth place vote. And then there were so many options at five. There was Pisano. There was Ramirez, Nate Clark. I ended up going Mike Gomez with my fifth place vote. Which is uh, all reasonable. I, I kind of feel similar to you. Um, gosh, this whole this award just feels so boring compared to the West. Because Silky probably would have been... Maybe maybe, get some maybe fourth a top or fifth five. Place. Yeah, yeah, maybe a top five. I, Barely. I mean, the, the West is so much better. But I also saw Silky as a clear number one. Um, it's not as decisive as Trujillo, but he's the best hitter uh, in almost every metric, and he gave you great defense. Uh, it's a real shame that he missed the last two weeks of the year, because otherwise he would have hit 40 homers, would have got to 100 ribbies, and probably would be the all-time runs leader in a single season. So that. That blows, but I have Silky just ahead above the pack of McMichael, Kim, and Guerrero, and I could put those guys in any order. Um, doesn't really matter. And then the fifth place, whatever. Big drop. I, too, voted Silky number one. Uh, I struggled with a little bit more because I really wanted to vote McMichael, um, and games matter a lot to me, guys that play the whole season. Uh, matters a lot to me. So, I mean, Silky was better, even counting the fewer games. Uh, but the guys that stay on the field matter a lot to me. So I really, really wanted to uh, vote for McKnight, Michael. It, I struggled a little bit more than it sounds like you guys struggled, but uh, ended up going with Silky. Uh, then McMichael, I also have uh, Kaitak Kim uh, third, Guerrero fourth, and I went with Rafael Pisano for fifth. And so. you're not alone. He got five. He, as of now, he has five third-place votes and four fifth-place votes. I go. was super surprised that he was... Uh, as bad defensively as he was. Isn't he usually a little better than this defensively? I haven't looked, but I, yeah. I too was a little surprised. I, I uh, In my head, Thank he's you. a great defender. Did not do it. His range took a hit and paid the price for it. He's, he's down to 50 range. 
Um, minus 3.6 over in left field, minus 2.6 in right. Yeah, that's a big drop, and it's a shame. Um, I'm with you, Trent, though. I value games a ton. Uh, that's why I didn't vote for Gomez when I probably otherwise would have. Uh, he's the best defender, arguably the best hitter. Could have could have won the award had he played the full season. And if Silky would have given me 130 games, probably doesn't even crack my top five. But 12 games is so little, and he did get almost 700 plate appearances. So I didn't penalize him too much. Yeah, no, it's not like he lost 100 games. He lost, yeah. you know, a dozen. So, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, he's not a, a surefire slam dunk winner, but it looks pretty clear to me. And this will be back-to-back for Silky, I must say. I think he'll probably end up winning. Um, it sure looks that way. He has the majority close. of the votes. But uh, kind of an underwhelming back-to-back winner. Yeah. It would Granted, feel better last year. Would last feel better year if he great. were healthy. So <laughs> Yeah. So that was Eastern Position Player of the Year. That brings us to the Western Region Position Player of the Year. Again, on S+, Plus, it's named Hitter of the Year. That will be renamed, I believe, tomorrow. Um, we've talked about this decently. I put Trujillo 1, Noella 2, Souders 3, and then it's a drop-off from there. Flores at 4, and then there are a whole bunch of guys to go with. Soto got a, uh, Soto has a couple votes, and Menes has a couple votes. I went Juan Moreno there uh, with my fifth-place vote. Yeah, the order doesn't matter too much. Um, I guess where I'm going to... Uh, what's important to me is that Trujillo wins because he's, to me, head and shoulders. Head and shoulders above anyone else. Uh, Noyola, Flores, Souders, Moreno. I really could see them in it, almost any order. I think Moreno's being slept on a little bit, a little underappreciated for just how good he hit the ball this year. But my official ballot, I had Souders all the way down at four after Tony and Noyola. I, too, have Trujillo number one, followed by Noyola, Tony Flores, then Souders. And then I also gave Moreno uh, a number fifth place vote. Uh, I mean, again, boy, oh, boy. The guy just hit the snot out of the ball. This is the quietest 350, 416, 626 season you'll ever hear. It's incredible. It's incredible. So freaking good. So that brings us to probably the closest race we'll have, um, at least in terms of what what we think um, should be a, a quote-unquote close race, Eastern Region Pitcher of the Year. Um, I'll be honest. Usually in years past, I probably would have voted Pons. But look, at, I decided to look at what happened as opposed to what should have happened this year or what could have happened. And for that reason, Ramon Vega got my number one vote. He led the league in ERA. He led the league in our war, uh, runs against war as opposed to FIP war. I mean, he just got it done. You, 23 you can, wins, too. And you can attribute so much of that to luck. But at the end, at the end of the year, he did it 32 times. He went out there 32 times, gave it his all, and it worked out. So Vega got my one. Pons got my two. Andy Allen, my three. Tyler Trim got my four. And Juan Flores got my five. Yeah, I'm, I like your, the way you're thinking and approaching it because I think FIP is overrated. BABIP can be a little overrated. But in this case... I still voted Pons. Um, a 2-6 versus 2-8 ERA doesn't mean a whole lot to me. That's not that big of a difference. And the BABIP and FIP, it was so severe for Vega. Um, his BABIP actually went up the last sim, but it went up to 245, which is almost a 100-point difference between him and Pons. Uh, that's so severe, I just can't, I can't give it to him um, as well as he pitched. He was a clear number two, but... 
it's really hard for me to not give it to Pons here. I too uh, really struggled with this. Boy, oh boy, it's close. Um, D. Rich is right. There's not a real big difference between two six and two eight two. Like over the course of the season, for two hundred innings pitched, you're talking about five six runs over the course of a season. That's that difference in ERA, which is of course really not a lot, right? Uh, for guys that pitch this many innings. Uh, but I'm gonna vote Vega first because I, I I'm gonna stand by ERA. I've said this before on these pods. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna stand by ERA. Uh, uh, it's not a a a, a net overall you know era over nothing over everything else but uh, uh but i'm going to stick by it so it's vega uh pons andy allen tyler trim speaking of era 274 good enough for fourth place on my list and then uh, i haven't quite decided what i'm going to do with my fifth place vote might go to flores we'll see yeah i mean if you're going to make the argument vega over pons why not make the argument trim over pons exactly Yep. Why isn't Trim second on your ballot? Because of innings pitched. I'm a big – it's the equivalent of games played for pitchers. Yeah. 40 so. less innings. And yeah. I think uh, – Makes a difference. I think Pons also had a higher R war than than Trim. Right. Um, and only two Eastern Region pitchers had a whip below one. Vega at .93 and Pons at .99. Yeah, yeah. that's that means a lot to me. I love whip. It's such a good metric, yeah. And the fact that Pons is doing it with a BABIP about 330, so that's incredible. what's fucking unbelievable. So, so incredible. That alone uh, is going to make me vote Pons every time. I mean, he, had fewer, he gave up fewer than one walk per nine innings yeah, it's, and it's, struck out nearly 12. And he's about to be 36. Like, oh, my God. Right? He's He might be machined. So, yeah. So that brings us to the Western region. Another very, very tight race between one and two here. Um, I believe here in the West, it's again uh, a close race for one, two, and then there's a clear three and then a drop off from there. Um, I I voted De La Cruz over Phillips. Uh, I went De La Cruz at one, Phillips two, De La Cruz with a higher war, higher R war, lower ERA. Phillips struck out the world, nearly had 300 strikeouts. Uh, he has every right to... He he had a very very good year, but I think the metrics point in favor of De La Cruz against Phillips did have the lower whip. I think a very very good argument can be made for both of these players. Yeah, this one's a lot closer to me than Vega versus Pons. Uh, this one I had to think about, but I, I mean, yeah, up... I guess with Vega Pons, you just pick your camp and and sit there. Yeah, right. it's really clear. Right, it's it's really clear if you want the wins and the ERA or the actually good pitcher, you know. Right, but this one. I voted Phillips. Um, the whip at, is is real juicy, and he struck at almost 13 guys in nine innings. And again, the ERA, it's 2-8 versus 3. It's not a huge drop-off, huge difference. Uh, the war is essentially the same, so it's a toss-up, but I give the edge to the guy who's uh, striking dudes out. I, uh, I, I, I will be picked on and it confessed that I haven't totally decided what I'm going to do here. That's because, fine. I, this, because this is, yeah, because this I have a... absolutely no idea who to pick amongst these two guys. I think I sort of want to say Josh Phillips because I think he was better. But nothing that I usually vote for is pointing me in that direction. Right. Like, I think I want to go for the guy with the higher with the lower ERA, which would be De La Cruz. Here's so, one thing I like about Phillips is that he gave you more innings and he did it so in three less starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, De La Cruz was never someone that, that went deep. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, he wasn't. De La Cruz. Starts a lot. De La Cruz did have three more. <coughs> excuse me, three more quality starts than Josh Phillips, which is kind of uh, expected considering he started three more games. But and these guys are so fucking those, good. In those three extra games started that it wasn't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily get those extra quality starts. Right. Don't necessarily have to think they're quality starts just because <clears> they were starts. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Boy, it, this is so tight. I think that you're right. This was this is going to be lots tougher for me than than Vega versus Pons. I mean, because you guys are right. You just pick a camp, decide which camp you want to be in, and pick your guy. After that, it's easy. Here, like, what camp you want to be on? Like your answer changes. I want to be in both camps. Right. You want to be on the ERA camp. You pick one guy. You want to be in the whip camp. It's a different guy. It's not fit based anymore. It's the the ERA differences are small. All these differences are small. They're three innings apart. I mean, what are you going to do? It's so ridiculous. So we'll see. But in any event, 18 ballots have been submitted. Those two have combined for 16 of the 18 first place votes. Well, of course they have. Right. Chris, 16 of the 18. Chris Horn, the ERA leader, has one first place vote. Arturo Aguilar, the wins leader, has one first place vote. Yeah. One of those, one of those back of the baseball card guys. He has yeah. two first place votes. As I, as I now. always thought that if I got a Cy Young Pitch of the Year award winner, it would have been Aguilar. I always thought it would be. Mm. Well, as he was close to Taylor Cruz. It's gonna be real, real close. And again, this is one of those things. Boy, oh boy, so ridiculous. It sure looks like Taylor Cruz is gonna win uh, as of now. Granted, this is just. The early, I feel like it's election night, like 30% of ballots in, right. so we can call this race. <laughs> but it, it feels like Dana Cruz is going to run away with it, but I just have to give the edge to Phillips. It's I'm also really very close. impressed. He walked 40 less guys this year than last year. Which the is the control awesome came play. in. The con- I mean, yeah. if, you look at what o- if you look at the OSA ratings, the OSA current ratings are absolutely identical for Josh Phillips and Arturo Alvarado. I noticed that the other day, is that they, they're, they're, there's no difference. Yeah. That's so weird. So uh, how much time do you guys want to spend on rookie and reliever of the year? Yes. Well, we should certainly go through them. Uh, Eastern region, there were 17,000 different guys to vote for, like there always was. But there was a clear number one, Franklin Manriquez. Um, behind that, there was a huge Craig Case in Cleveland, Yoshihide Mori in Cleveland, Hector Barr in Cleveland. There was Jason Hutchison in Philly, Randy Marcotte in Boston, Deshaun Hardman, who split time between Detroit and San Francisco, Carl Bedway in with the Mets. So many guys, um, including my, my old friend Joe Kronk, who did not end up on my ballot. No. Yeah, I don't. He was your just, pick, though. Justifiably he, so. Yeah. Uh, Greg Case actually got a first place vote. Don't really know why. Uh Looks like Manriquez, he slumped in, in the middle of the year, but really turned it on, and it looks like an absolute no-brainer. So this one, I'm happy to just go right past. Yeah, Manriquez deserves to win. I noticed the other day, looking at these, that uh, nothing was going to be close here. He's clearly the best, you know. Yeah, it was kind of just a weak rookie class outside of Manriquez. Um, he almost felt like he was going to guaranteed to win as long as he didn't get hurt. He sort of had a weird season. He started out a house of fire, ended the season strong. In the middle, he was sort of meh. And, now, uh, does that have to do with playing the Atlantic at the beginning and the end? Probably maybe. coincidence. But I don't know. It could it's be. an interesting question. Yeah. So I think we can agree that the rookie class was much stronger in the West because we had Jose Galvez, Kevin Marr, Rodolfo Gomez, Jason Halverson, Mashiro Amamiya, and George O'Brien. Uh, six names all deserving of being on ballots. I went with Galvez one 
Um, despite everything, he, he was still my number one. He missed time. He missed whatever. Let all rookies in war. Um, behind him, I went Rodolfo Gomez in Houston, followed by Kevin Moore in Colorado, Mashiro Amamiya in Colorado, and then Halverson in Houston. Amamiya had a great year at the plate, but some of that attributed to Colorado, and he was just so, so, so bad on defense. Yeah, it's a shame. You see 50 home runs again, and it just has this dirty poop smell of horrible defense. Really, really shame. Because he would have won the award as a DH, guaranteed. I think I still would have voted him second to Galvez. See, Galvez, uh, he didn't even play enough games to qualify for Silver Slugger or the leaderboards. So for me, it's really that, hard to that vote does it for that you. guy first. Yeah. So I, I actually I definitely see that argument. This is my uh, weirdest. I think I voted. I, I scrolled through the results. I think I voted for almost everybody who's in first. Almost. I have no interesting votes, but. This was my one exception. I actually voted Jason Halverson number one. Yeah, I have trouble doing that just simply because all of that values from defense. Like I, that, he hit I don't the know. ball good, dude. He yeah, hit three hundred. Okay. OPS eight fifty. I have weird Jason Halverson hatred. I always have. I don't understand why. I didn't. I'm gonna think he was really gonna be this good. I'm gonna really struggle voting for Jose Galvez. I just don't. I just don't know what to say. I did. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, another again, thing to note, I'm going to fence ride again. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Another thing to note about Galvez is like Manriquez came out of the gates red hot. Oh my he God. was at, he he was at five war at midseason, yeah. got hurt, came back, sucked. And he was actually, uh, I think he was our last podcast. He had 4.7 war. And that was three months ago. What have you done for me lately? Nothing. So I think if he actually played a full year, his numbers look worse. So. It's, he almost is like, uh, who's that shitty player you used to se- sell to everybody, Jake? Some second baseman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Pete Lee. Pete Lee, yes. We had an argument years ago about, seasons ago, it feels like years ago, about if war is a counting stat. Uh, because Pete Lee's war was super high, but he clearly was playing out of his mind good. And if he played the full year, would his numbers actually look worse? And so I feel Galvez falls into that Pete Lee category a little bit. Uh, he fell off quite a bit towards the end, and he only played 100 games. So I had a real tough time voting him number one, so I didn't. I could I struggled voting from Amamiya and Gomez as well. So Halverson was just the one that was left. Um, not a great—it's tough. Like, no one's a—I don't feel great about any of these five guys— but, I think that's uh, the trouble I'm having. I don't. I don't love any of these five guys. Yeah, all. I think all five of these guys get second in the west or in the east. Excuse me. But there has to be a winner, and Halverson was mine, and he's. I am the only person to vote for him so far, which is a bit of a surprise. Fair enough. Um, who is your guys' votes for reliever of the year? I went Akbar in the east and Caro in the west. Caro looked pretty clear, head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, I thought Akbar. It's it's kind of an odd year for him. Uh, the numbers are great, ERA super low. Um, he didn't save that many games. I don't so, really care about saves. That that could just be the fact that the team was so good and scoring so many more runs. That could be it. Certainly, um, I did vote him number one as well. But uh, I thought Pat Clegg had a reasonable argument despite not having the war. 
and maybe this is my hometown bias, but he was head and shoulders in saves. Uh, his ERA was under two and a half. He struck out 12 guys in nine innings. Uh, it was a great year for Clegg. The FIP wasn't ter- terrific, which is why the war isn't quite there, but it's really hard to complain about those numbers. And if we didn't have the advanced metrics, there's a good chance Clegg would win. Um, so I went Akbar and then Clegg too. I think Basinger's getting a little ex- too much love in these votes for as good as he is. Maybe I'm having, uh, maybe I'm just fucking sick of voting for him. But I, I penciled him a little bit down the list. His ERA was a little inflated this year. I wonder yeah. what happened there. So I don't know. I don't know. Those guys all pitch a hell of a lot more innings than Clegg. Clegg only yeah. pitched 50 innings, but he had By 40 saves. Yeah. And what's kind of fun about Clegg is he hasn't allowed a run since uh, the first week of July. He's been very, very, very good. But it's it's still just so hard not to vote Akbar. So I did, but He's I was not allowed disappointed. an earned run since the first week in July. <laughs> he allowed one run. unearned run September 2nd against Baltimore. Hmm. Sorry. Got a lot. Sort of explains Montreal's success. Got a guy like that. I think he struck out more batters than he's allowed on base since then, too. Oh, my God. That's incredible. You're talking about Clegg? Yeah, I'm yeah. taking a look at his... Um... I mean, he's been lights out, and uh, our bullpen's actually been the saving grace of the team, and that all goes to Clegg. And another guy who was on my ballot is Tom Fralick, who actually received a couple first-place votes for having by far the best, really the best pitching season, just didn't have the innings that Akbar did. But Fralick's so, an interesting case. Pat Clegg over the last three months. 24 games, 20 saves, 23 and a third innings pitched. One unearned run, six walks, nine hits, 24 strikeouts. That looks like a reliever year, year to me. but That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he had a great and year. And that beautiful ERA of zero. Right. That's the big one. Yeah, he had a, about one bad week midseason that kind of cost him these awards, and it's a shame, but... It was an awesome year from Clegg, Akbar, and Freilich as well, who had an ERA of uh, like 1.1. Like 1. 1 and some change, yeah. yeah. So the last thing to touch on is Silver Slugger. Jangle said here a little bit ago, I just want to make this quote perfect. No way Shield should get Platt stick over Nate Purdue. Um, I disagree. Just going to disagree. Tim Shields had a higher WOBA. Run, weighted runs created plus, o, uh, on base, uh, OPS, on base. He had fewer home runs. He did play 46 fewer games. I voted Purdue. I felt horrible about it. Um, this is usually a good vote because Purdue's usually great, and he, he, quite frankly, he just was not that special this year. And Chris Meacham's usually great, who had a horrible year. I would have, I would have probably voted Meacham ahead of Purdue as well. It's it's really tough. Um, I, I get the argument saying that I, I get the argument saying that Shield played forty six fewer games. I do. Yeah, I mean the counting numbers are there, and which is because he played the games, but fuck. But I think there's a there's a solid argument to be made for Shields. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of arguments. Jared Leval has at least a claim, but I have to vote for the guy who played every game. Yeah, this is a disaster of a vote here. The third baseman, Eastern Silver Slugger. Like, yeah. there's just no good here. No good comes from this at all. Like, you had a guy who played in 110 games, uh, a guy whose the majority of his value must have come from his defense, because Purdue had only a 106 WRC plus. Like, what? That's a what's that about? 
I mean, Meacham yeah, was sort slugger. of slugger. Right, exactly. Meacham was sort of a shell of his former self and didn't play in all the games. And yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, that was so, that was where I'm at. But I had so, to go. I have to go 150. Like Tim Shields is again a Pete Lee guy. If he plays 156, he probably doesn't hit 255. No, because he's also probably playing more against lefties. Yeah, but I mean his numbers are so far up from where they usually are. I have you have to give him a shout out because it's pretty incredible. So I think looking at the East, there are a couple ones that we can all agree on. Dan Haynes, a catcher. Mm-hmm. Brian McIntyre at first base. Yep, I think uh, you can go Rust- quick to these. Rusty Borman at second base, Luis Maria, uh, Ramirez at shortstop, and Jess McMichael in center field. The corner outfielders, that's a little tricky. Oh, and then uh, lastly, DH, um, Bathwater Big Lots. Or Big Water ba- uh, Bathwater Big Lots, yeah. BBL. Yep, Bill Bray. Um, I think we can all agree on that. So that leaves the corner outfielders. You've got That's for the Braves. Left field, Mike Gomez, Adam Stevens, Nate Clark, Juan Gamgora, Dan Luciani, all within 15 Woba points of each other. Um, I, I gave my left field vote to Gomez. I gave it to him over Stevens. I gave it to him over Clark. I mean, it looked like he's, he is the better player. No offense to Nate Clark. Um, but the other thing is that Nate Clark played 45 more games. That's that's yes, the question. Did. That's the question. Um, maybe it's bias. I voted for Gamas, uh, just because he's so good when he is on the field. It's really hard. Like the the county numbers, if they were miles ahead for Clark, then I'd be like, all right, fine. But Gamas is pretty much still right there in all those counting stats. It. It's tough. Um, Gomez steals bags, too, and Nate Clark doesn't. He just gets caught over and over and over. Really close. Um, certainly could see either one. Don't buy the Stevens as much. Feels like a Clark or, Clark or Gomez thing. Trent? Trent? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have a, 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 a lot to add. I mean, I... I, I'm I'm not going to vote for Mike Gomez. I'll probably vote for Stevens or Clark. Uh, I'll look a little bit more into it. Uh, looks to me like Clark was a little bit better. I can't vote for a guy that played in only 111 games at the position. Um, yeah, I agree. No offense but... to Gomez. I mean, uh, in uh, in center field, I'll probably vote Kim, uh, although it's close between him and McMichael. Um, McMichael's the better overall player, but I think Kim had the better hitting season. Um, and then out and right, I think that I'll probably vote for Silky, although it won't feel good. Uh, I'll feel a little dirty. Um, uh, it's either him or Guerrero, pretty clearly, I think. Uh, I, I don't think you can. Go, I don't think you can go wrong there. Silky yeah. has the higher WRC plus, and Woba Guerrero has more home runs and OPS. So it's a matter yeah. of, do you like the advanced metrics? Do you like the counting stats? And, st- and go with that. Yeah. I don't think I, it's that close. This one, um, pretty much every metric is the edge of Silky. He played 12 less games. Uh, the RBIs aren't there, but that's he hit leadoff. That's more so of a team stat. The runs are there. Uh, it's kind of like Trujillo is 40 more runs than Souders, but he had 20 less RBIs. So that's a wash to me. Just um, But Greer did have the, the higher OPS. So again, I think this one, by, I think he just... By a point. By, by, by a point. But I think with this one, he also had six more home runs. He played in 12 more games. I think with this one, you take your camp, you sit there, and that's where you vote. Yeah. Um, that takes us into the West Silver Slugger. Again, I think there are a couple of these that we can just say. 
Um, oh, interesting point here by Jangles that Trent doesn't Trent doesn't like 111 games in right field, but no issues with Shields 110 games at third base. Do you have a response there? Yeah, no, he's right. I'll probably vote for Purdue. I think I'll probably do what D. Rich did. Okay then. Yeah, um, I'm not going to like this... myself for it because I don't really think that Purdue was that great. But 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 either that. I mean, again, I I, I won't be able to vote for Shields. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's almost a Meacham or Purdue thing, and Meacham doesn't right. deserve it either. It's weird, right? I don't think anybody deserves it. The we thing should is, just though, not award the award. So. The game, the league, the major MLB, they put this cap on us. You got to play. You need X amount of played appearances to qualify. These guys qualify. You know, they at least played that many. So it's it is hard to to criticize a guy who gets to that 480 it's three, mark. It's three point one played appearances per game. Yeah, and they did it. So I can't. I do. Can we really criticize them? It's hard not to, but at the same time, it is kind of hard too. So looking at the West, I think there's only one one race. At least I I think there's one race based on my vote compared to the rest of the league. Um, we'll get there. But regarding everything else, Silver Slugger catcher. Luis Resendiz, first baseman Ernesto Jimenez, second base Juan Soto, third base Keith Finkel, shortstop Joe Souders. Again, Joe Souders, such a good hitter. Such a good hitter. Uh, left field Juan Moreno, center field Angel Trujillo, DH Alexis Schumacher. I think the one race is in right field. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, I voted for John uh, Schwab. I voted like Kevin Marr. I voted Kevin Marr. Uh, he had a slightly higher WRC+, plus, a slightly higher WOBA, a much higher OPS, uh, nearly the same number of home runs. But again, he did do that in 15 fewer games. Yeah. So if he plays those 15 extra games, he probably gets there in the home run mark. Probably. Um, the, there, this is actually a really close one because you're saying Mar has to add, edge in all these advanced metrics, all these stats, but they're really, really fucking close. They are. Uh, they're all within a point, so you can just take that and say whatever. It's do you want the guy with a little better numbers who did it in more games? I don't know. And do you want to penalize the guy extra for playing in Coors? And again, that's where WRC Plus comes into effect because that is weighted for ballparks. I understand, but they're essentially even. But does it is it weighted enough? Is it weighted enough? I don't know. It's a toss up. I gave it to Schwab. I like I seeing. Will- I won't be voting for Kevin Moore because of the games. Um, so, you know, it's still really close. Yeah, you know, and you, you could vote for Pruitt and defend yeah, it. Yeah, shout out Ryan Pruitt. Right? You could even vote for Kinder. And defend it. Yep. And you know what? You could even vote for Felix Salgado. No, you can't. It can. wouldn't be very smart, but someone did it, so you can. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, well, I believe the last thing we're going to do here is a bit of an off-season preview. And again, you guys can follow along on Twitch on that... Uh, on that screen, I'm going to be bringing up each of these teams. We're going to be going here um, mainly with uh, the main teams and see who has some player options, player opt-outs, and we're going to see if they opt out or not. So first, we're going to start with the Braves. Mike Gomez with a $25 million player option. John Boren with $11.5 million player option. Hey, um, I'm going to stop you real quick. I'm so sorry. Uh, did you read what is put in Slack by Michael? Are we looking at the wrong Josh Phillips stats? No, that has been recently updated. Award okay, voting fun. was opened before it got updated. Okay, good. Good. Just, I'm sorry for interjecting. We can edit this out. Yes. We won't, but... It was it, it was open before S-plus was updated. 
the current stats do show the correct updated stats. Good. So we were looking at the right ones in. You, you, we were looking at the correct right. stats on S plus. Perfect. All right. Let's get into this. So Mike Gomez, $25 million player option. Played 111 games this year, 129 last year, 139 the year before that. 4.4 war, $25 million player option for next year. Dierich, what do you think happens? Uh, this is the most interesting guy I think we're going to talk about. Um, I think he is going to opt out. Why wouldn't he? He certainly should. Uh, if he was on the open market, he would get a fortune, I imagine. So I'm expecting him to opt out, and whether or not he comes back to Atlanta... We'll have to wait and see. I think the I question think, is, what would he get on the open market? Well, I could the, see someone paying him thirty-five a year. That's the that's the better. He'll question. get he'll get Sharf money. He'll get he'll get Sharf money. So, uh, well, imagine if Sharf could play defense, he'd get that money. I, right. I mean, he's miles better than Scarf and uh, just health. I don't know. It's really tough to say. He has actually turned into maybe the best, arguably the best, one of the best defenders in the whole game. On top of being a monster at the plate. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that uh, uh, the, the safe guess is always that they're going to opt out, right? You know, very few of them opt in. I'm always happy to see a couple opt in just to make sure that we've gotten rid of the bug where they all opt out, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, and so Gomez, uh, I think, will probably opt out. He should opt out. Uh, you know, even if he's just a four, five win player now and not six, seven, you know, like he has been at some points in his career, you know, uh, he's still worth more than 25 mil. On the open market, you know, so, you know, he'll get that, you know, if he yeah. does. And uh, you know the what? The question is, will the Braves resign him and for how much? Yeah. The thing is, he's always hurt, but he hasn't had one of those injuries that ruins your season. Uh, he's never not qualified. He's never hit, not hit that 3.1 plate appearance march. It's what uh, Cincinnati would call a niggle. A niggle. I, I don't like to... saying that word. Neither <laughs> I do I. I feel like I'm going to mess it up. I don't right? either. I don't like that word, um, uh, but that's what we're going with. I'm I'm going to um, abstain from using that word. Yeah, but I, on the off chance this gets leaked out there right. somehow. Yeah, see, all of a sudden, uh, D. Rich's plans of running for Congress will be ruined. Right? I know. So, yes. Jeez, they, I get drunk probably, one time on a podcast. They probably <laughs> I can't live that down. Um, and then the other Atlanta player with a player option, John Boren, Captain John Boren. A guy who hit, who slumped at the end to uh, drop that average to 364. Pretty impressive year for him. Wish he would have played more than 60 games. Um, he will come back no matter what. So that's not a, the question isn't what teams he going to next or what he's going to sign for. He's coming back to Atlanta. I'm expecting him to opt in. Your thoughts? You think he's going to opt in? I, can, I see him opting into that, yeah. Boy, oh boy, 11 and a half is so little. His but defense it, he, is so bad. He's so old. He barely plays. Yeah, he's hurt a lot. Yeah, boy, oh boy, it's so tough. It would not surprise me to see him opt out, but I think he opts in. I would be flabbergasted if he uh, turns that down. I've been in negotiations, negotiations with him, and uh, his ask is quite a bit under 11. Really? I'm almost surprised by that. But okay. Treat them well. So let's move okay. on to a Chicago team. Ismael Abara, the White Sox starter. Oh, wow. You've done your homework. $16 million. Oh, man. He's coming back 100% of the time. No doubt. This wow. is kinda, he's kind of a sad player. How good would he be if 
he could pitch more than four and a half innings. <laughs> oh, yeah, his stamina kills him, man. It's like Ito. It's a shame. But he's a great player. I think when he's healthy, and particularly if he had a defense behind him, uh, his career Babbitt has been through the roof. And it's, I think, mainly because he plays in Chicago. So strange. So strange. Jake, what do you think? I think he opts in. 16 is a, a good chunk. 16 um, is a good chunk. Um, I, I wonder what his ask would be on the open market. He's not a bad pitcher by any chance. I think he's been hurt by a bad defense. I mean, uh, what, 215 career starts, 20 war. He's a solid pitcher. He, he would be welcome on probably any pitching staff. Certainly. Um, I think he would actually get a – I think 16 is a great number. Um, if it was 12, I'd say opt out. And I th- if he was a free agent, he'd probably get somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 for 48. Yeah. This is such a weird player. He's so bad. How is he so good? He's so bad. Again, it's probably some of these darn, these darn ERA numbers being inflated and things I mean, like his, that. His fit minus has never been above a hundred. Yeah, that's one of the, the big thing. I, I maybe he will opt in. I don't know. I'll, the safest option is always opting out, so I'll go with opt out. I think he, I think he opts in. All right. That brings us to three players in Detroit. DJ Ferrarini, Mike Brickman, Sergio Rojas. Three elder statesmen on a young, young Detroit team. DJ is the toughest case, I think, here. Um, I would bet on him still opting in. It sounds like chump change for this guy, but he really isn't much anymore. Particularly, he can't really play the field. Love this guy. Loved him for a long time, but he looks like he's worth about ten million. He's a weird little player now, isn't he? Sort of a shell of his former Philly days. Still walks a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe he will opt in. He, maybe he likes life in Detroit. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever said that, but he could be. He could be yeah. the first. <laughs> uh, and Brickman, Brickman, I think, is in the same boat. Uh, I think it's a probably a reasonable number. It's a shame he doesn't have much stamina left. I could see this one's tough. I could see this going either way, but I would expect another opt-in. I think Ferrini and Brickman opt out. Rojas opts in. Rojas was so bad. Oh my gosh, he was so bad. Yeah, I think you have to opt in when you're worth negative war, don't you? I mean, if you have anything. I think and... he's actually going to opt out to retire. Ooh, or you could opt in and retire. Isn't yep. that what uh, Uncle so that's Ted what Bur- did? Yep, uh, Uncle Ted did that. Bermeo did yeah. that too, I think. Yeah, so I, I don't see him playing next year at all, but I think the other two guys will opt in, which I'm going to assume Eric does not want that to happen. So that takes us to Houston. Two big names here. Joselito wow. Viramontes and Steve Parsons. Ooh. These are big names and big contracts. Boy, Steve Parsons, we we owe him an apology. We picked on that contract. I remember it was him and David were fight were uh, Sterling and David were fighting over him two years ago in in free agency. Ended up going to Houston. We picked on the amount. He's made us look like idiots. Yeah, I want to say he I defended. Look like idiots. I want to get it on record. I defended this contract a bit, but I did not expect uh, this back good to performance. Back four win seasons. Yeah, really solid, but. The ask is just so high. 
$25 million, you have to be a monster of a player to opt out of that. I think he's going to opt out. I would be blown away. He's I got think back I think to back four win seasons. And I, I think Veer Montez and Parsons both opt in. Do you yeah, really? I do too. I do too. They're both um, great. And uh, another one with an opt out instead of it, just a player option, Ignacio Para, who had a down year. Yeah, this guy's been such a disappointment. Um, he had I was negative really, 1.2 war this year. I was really on his uh, drinking his Kool-Aid for a while, and nothing really happened. So if I'm Sterling, I probably want him to opt in, and based on the stats, you got to assume he does. And do you know why he was so bad? Negative 15 zone rating in 79 really? games at first base. Wow, he was that bad. 25 that, infield range. It's that infield range. It's the ghosts of big, fat Eric Donnelly haunting us still. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. And But even his uh, at the plate, he hasn't been that special. It's been a disappointment all over. I remember, wasn't this the guy that went to Miami from Washington uh-huh. a couple years ago? You guys were... See, I sort of remember, again, I've. it's possible that, like all of us, I have my own, you know, make myself look good you know, selective memory, but I sort of remember busting on him and not thinking he was all that. So feeling good about myself that I was right for you because I, he is awful. I couldn't have been more wrong about this guy. I wanted to add him to the Braves instead of McCullough and uh, Miami snatched him from me. And I really should thank Jay because I ended up getting a great player. And because McCullough has been a godsend. I mean, he's hurt. It's really going to hurt you. So, so I'm trying to decipher this Kansas City salaries page. We're going to try oh, to do the best Lord. that we can. Kevin Ferkel player option. Nate Riley uh, combo player option opt out. Nehemia Rodinson player option. Chris Alice opt out. I think that's a, that's a really interesting one. Chad Horner opt out player option. Uh, and then who cares about Mitch Rock? Man, these are tough. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of opt-ins here. Uh, I think Ferkel opts in. 18, again, is a pretty big number for a guy who is had I think down. he's nuts if I, he doesn't opt out. I think he opts out. I, I think he opts really? out. Yeah. He would be nuts, but uh, I don't know. It's tough. It's, he's a tough guy. These these squirrel guys are so tough to evaluate. Nate Riley could turn down 10 mil. That I could see. I think he's the one that opts in. I think Riley opts in. I think Rodinson also opts in. You guys are picking lots of opt-ins. There are like two. A Alice. You guys, you guys have already named like five. Alice so. opts in two. I think they're all opting in, man. Boy, oh Alice boy. would be nuts to turn down the contract of just three extra years guaranteed. Boy, if that happens, do the, do the Kansas City Royals have that little money to play with? That would be a lot of money. They wouldn't even really have a team to field. You know, this Turner's, team could be in Turner's trouble. opt out. Uh, Rodinson or er, and uh, Fertil's going to opt out. Riley, Rodinson, Alice stay. You think Herner's going to opt out? Yeah. He's had an interest. He's thirty-four years old. Eighteen's pretty. Eighteen pretty is healthy. a big number. Though I do uh, actually will kind of. I will agree with you, Jake. I think he will opt out, uh, trying to get a two-year or three-year deal, which he'll get from somebody. I remember when he was Cincinnati, I was in the Herner sweepstakes. And uh, I remember when he was with uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati was convinced he was just going to opt in. He was just going to stay. Be interesting to see. Well, the number's reasonable, but I think those guys, when you're, they're 34, 35, they're, they want longer-term deals. Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. So let's try to get through the rest of this. Amari Dantignac with the Knights, $22 million next year. He was so bad this year. This guy is probably the weirdest player we have in all of Sky. It's so hard to peg him, uh, considering he's always rated like top 10 in the player ratings. He's so good and he's so bad. Yeah. I think he opts out here. I think it's similar boat to Horner. Opt out, get a longer-term deal. $22 million, such a big number. Boy, oh boy. I think he'd get more on the open market. I think he does, too. I think he opts out, too. Here's a couple more good ones. Miami. Luis Cruz Garcia has an opt-out. Ron Gibney has an opt-out. And Hisato Nakamura has an opt-out. Oh, Gibney. I forgot he's alive. That team could be vastly different. Cruz Garcia. He had a nice little year for Miami this year. Played in 156 games. I'd have taken the under on that by 50 games. Man, the Gibney is the real tricky one. Because it's not a lot of money. But he's a formerly great pitcher just declined suddenly this year. Damn, he's disruptive now? Oh my god, he is. You'd be disruptive too if you had to work for Jay. (laughs) I think he grew a mustache in there too. I don't think Gibney used to be mustachioed. But Probably just doing coke, growing mustaches in, in Miami. Sounds pretty he's, good. He's hanging out with Crockett and Tubbs, yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. I don't know what to say. $9 million is so little money. Yeah. I, it's tough to say opt-in or opt-out. It'd probably be a good so move bad. to opt-in. Right. He's got to re uh, got to reestablish his goodness or something. Boy, all these guys have... Uh, Weird little contracts. Yeah, I'm going to say out for Gibney. I think he's going to make a mistake and end up not. It won't pay off. Yeah, that's and, tough. And Cruz Garcia, fuck. I think he opts in. It's so much money. You're right. 156 games out of this guy. Steve must be kicking himself. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> so incredible. Okay, right? uh, a couple, yeah. couple guys yeah. here from Milwaukee. Ite Van Santen has an opt-out. Dave Carter has a player option. Sergio Rivera has a player option. Rivera's going to opt in. Van Santen's going to opt in. Carter's going to walk in. Opt in. I think all three stay. Van Santen actually wouldn't surprise me if he opted out. Um, I think the, the game sometimes just values your prestige more than your actual ratings. But otherwise, I would agree with you on the rest of them. Yeah, I think all these guys opt in. Ron Resley in Montreal. Ooh. How did he hit this year? Well, he had a typical Ron Resley-esque sort of year. And it's that typical $16 million that he always is right around. Worth, right. Boy, that's tough to call. Didn't he recently any. opt out of a deal? He did. He opted out of... It looks like he opted out of more than... 16 million. So maybe he has a similar approach. Like, I'm really fucking good at baseball, so maybe 20. But it would be a mistake. Yeah, I think he opts out and he's wrong. And he ends up not getting paid 16 million next year. Agreed. He barely got a contract this year, it felt like. It took a while, I want to say. Now, he signed a three year deal with uh, Montreal last year. A couple of years ago, yeah. That was yeah. last year. God, it, but, was in, uh, it was in December, too. I thought it was like uh, an August or an April deal or something. Ron Wrestley, he's just a closet good baseball player. Yeah. I don't realize how good he is. 
been Darryl, on about yeah. six teams now. He's been around forever, too. Daryl Short, was... Philadelphia. This is really tough. You know how much money he wants when I click? 19. You know what the opt-out's for? 18.3. That means he he's coming out. back. No, I think he comes back. He certainly should. It's really tough. It's a no-brainer to opt-in if you're him. I don't think that he gets... I mean, he's been pretty good, but I don't know that he gets $19 million on the open market. He's so. not worth 18 Yeah. I mean, he's uh, the ratings are taking a hit. The numbers are taking a hit. He's kind of just was riding off of that one one season in Baltimore. He was those really, really off. good. Yep. I should have made uh, JP keep salary. Wouldn't matter as much to me. But didn't. Moving on. Yeah, I think we're seeing a... A lot of people opting into these contracts. Joey James, Pittsburgh. Uh, this is like one of the weirder little stretches because he was one of the best relievers and the numbers have just inflated the last two years. Uh, I've, I'm going to say ops out of this deal still. Um, the, the metrics are there. The war is pretty good for a reliever and certainly the ratings haven't dipped. I think this is going to be a give me three years. I'm 35. So weird. It's so tough for me to think of paying relievers this much money. Just borderline allergic to it. But yeah, it's that's... not a matter of giving it to him. It's a matter of is he going to opt in? Yeah. I don't know. I think he'll probably opt in. Okay. Uh, last ones, last two in Toronto. Johnny Jemerson, Art Page. Oh, and uh, Federico Navarrijo, who found his way back to Toronto. Well, Page um, certainly should opt in, and I think he will. Um, it, granted, it wouldn't shock me, but he's the numbers a took a, such he a got hit. A, he took a ratings hit, yep. The velocity's dipped. I mean, he's nothing like he once was. But $16 million, it's certainly a toss-up. I'm going to say he opts into this deal. I can't imagine poor Amin wondering about these guys opting in. Like, can you imagine how much he's rooting for them to opt out? I mean, Jefferson's just a shell of his former self. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I think Jefferson's still good. I do. Oh, no, I don't think he's good. Jemerson had his had a lower fifth this year than he did in 2008. He had war, more war this year than Pat Clegg, who had an amazing year. Uh, the talent's still here. But 12, he, he got he got babbipped to death this year. Yeah, he sure did. 12's tough. I'm going to say he opts out. I how, So on the open market, do you think he gets 15 a year? I do. I think someone will give him. You know what? It might be closer to that 12 number. Like I think that's such a fair number. That could but be exactly I, what it gets. I could but see he's... three year, I could see forty over three. Forty million totally. over three years. Totally, totally. Oh my gosh. It won't be the Phillies. Guarantee that. Yeah, man. If I was if I had the money to burn, I certainly would. Uh just high movement relievers. Those are guys who don't give up home runs. That's what you want in late innings. He's, he's an extreme ground ball guy too. Just, and that could have so been, reliable. That could, that could have been it too. That middle infield, um, it was Rogalski, who's who, a two-time Gold Glover, not his elite self, still plus four. Um, Irizarry was really good. So how was he that bad? Huh. That's really interesting. Who's our next opt-in here? Isn't there one more? 
our page, or did you guys want our to talk page about and Federico Navarrijo. Navarrijo. Ten million for at this point a reliever. Well, he was pretty good in Toronto as a reliever. Yeah, I think he's going to say see ya. I think so, too. Well, that does it for opt-in, opt-out. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Well, I'm going to put on a special guest here. Hold on just a second, guys. Be nice. No. We also need hello? to do uh Hello? Hello. Is that little Snyder? Yes. How you doing, my man? Good. You excited for your dad to be in the playoffs? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Ben. 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 I'm just nice. gonna, I'm just I'm just gonna call you Vice President Snyder. Uh, okay. Yeah, your dad should give you a raise after this season. Yes. <laughs> All right, you're his assistant GM, aren't you? Mm, sort of. Sort of. Trent's probably the assistant GM. You're probably the one that runs the show. All right, Ben. Uh, no, no, no. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite player on the Phillies? On the Phillies now or in his league? In uh, in Skyline. The real stuff. Ah. Uh, hmm. Hold on. Also, I'd like uh, I'd like to take a moment while Ben's looking over the Phillies to apologize to Luis Alicia, the uh, the prediction monkey. Gotcha. Man, really sad. I thought he was gonna get to sixty. I thought he was too. Prediction monkey got the best of him. Yeah, what a bad September. It's a shame. And I think this is going to be one of those years that is never replicated for him. His on-base percentage dropped below 300, too. Yes. Finished at 297. Ugh. Again, Nate Riley. Nate freaking Riley. Almost had 150 RBIs, too. Pretty wild for a guy who doesn't hit the ball in the gaps ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, All looking... Right, but... yeah. Ben, you got an answer for us? Yes, um, Tim Brilby. Bath, water, big lots. Good choice. Anyone else in Skyler you really like? Uh, where did he go? It's hard not to like Trujillo. Man. He's lucky the Phillies have a lot of guys that you could like. I thought he was going to be like his daddy and say Chevalier. Freaking love Chevalier. He's so good. Sort of. Sort of. He's not quite made um, that leap. Pons. Ernesto Pons. Yep. Yes. Man. Boring. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Yeah. What's not to like? Right on. So well, do you think the Phillies are going to win the whole thing this year? Well, I hope. <laughs> We can all we can all hope that that Trent finds his way somewhere at some point. Yeah, I think they uh, have a decent shot actually. I think when we go into we need to do predictions real quick for the rest of the the rest of the playoffs. But I like Philadelphia's chances. I do. Yep. So mm-hmm. let's end on that. Um, we know Ben has the Phillies winning it all. Of course. Uh, Trent, what do you have happening here in the postseason? I don't think Trent's on the line with us. It's just Ben. That could be it, too, then. So, Deerich, what do you got? All right, I think Philadelphia beats Pittsburgh. And I'm, I think Philadelphia beats Atlanta. 
I think they're going to come out of the Atlantic. I just have a, a feeling about the team. Uh, the top of the rotation strong. He's going to be facing a lot of righties to get out of the division, and we know his le- his lineup's really lefty-heavy. So I like Atlanta, but the injuries, I think, are just going to bite us. Um, we're going to have a battle with whoever we play, but I think it's going to be Philadelphia, and I think we're going to lose. Um, New York's going to roll past Toronto, and New York's going to get revenge on Montreal. Uh, New York's going to beat Philadelphia to be our Eastern representative. What's new? And then over in the West, uh, I like Houston over Kansas City, Chicago over Houston. Um, I like L.A. over Seattle. I like California over L.A. I like California over Chicago, and I like the New York Mets winning their fourth. Hard to say it, but that's what I think. And I also have picked the Braves in the past and not had very good luck with it, so I'm going to pay it forward to the rest of my friends. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start over here in the West. Um, Astros over the Royals. I got the Astros over the Cubs too. I, I think this, this Houston team is really, really good. If they can get back, if they can get past Houston, they'll have a fully healthy Trujillo. Um, and that lineup's just so freaking good. And the Cubs are missing pieces. They're, they're, they're hurting. Uh, I got the Dodgers over the Mariners too. Um, we saw what happened last year. Mariners beat the Giants in game 157 get past the Dodgers, who had a bye, or at least into the wildcard series. I think the reverse happens this year. The Dodgers beat the Giants in game 157, and they're going to get past Seattle. California over the Dodgers, and then California over the Astros. In the East, I like where you're going with Philly over the Pirates, but I think you're underselling your Braves team. Your Braves team was so good. Braves come out of the Atlantic. Mets pass the Blue Jays. Mets pass the Expos as well. Braves pass the Expos in seven. Get Angels, revenge. Angels over the Braves in seven, like I said, preseason. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. I want I would love to play Montreal. Yeah. All Trent, right, guys. Let's let's finish up with you. All right, fair enough. Well, I, I will uh I'll I will go ahead and predict uh myself to beat the Pirates. Uh and get myself in all sorts of trouble. But I think I'm gonna I think I'll end up uh being happy about that, happy enough that I won't even mind that my buddy D. Rich ends the uh, Philly season uh, in that big series with the Braves. Uh, and then uh, I'll take uh, in the uh, uh, in the North, I'll take the Mets to beat both Toronto and the Expos, ending the Expos season. Uh, and then everybody gets the Mets-Braves series that we've always wanted and never had finally in 2011 here. Uh, I would actually love that because we have never had it. And for so long, it was number one offense versus number one pitching, and it's just never ever happened. So that would be uh, that would be really cool to see. Um, so uh, over on the uh, over in the West, uh, I'll take Houston and I'll take the Cubs. I think you guys are underselling the Cubs a little bit. I think this team is legit. A um, little dinged up, but I think they're going to hit enough uh, to cover some of those pitching wounds. Um, and uh, I think getting uh, Ron Loback. Uh, and guys like that is really helpful. So uh, we'll go from there, and then, and then uh, we will uh, uh, in the uh, uh, in the Pacific. I will go with uh, the Angels uh, to come out of it. I'll take Seattle to beat LA, but I'll take the Angels to beat Seattle. Get a little bit of revenge from last year. Uh, in the in the uh, West Championship, I'll take the Cubs over the Angels, 
and I will take the Braves over uh, the uh, uh, Mets in the East Championship, and then uh, I'll take uh, uh, D. Rich to 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 beat the odds and win it all this year, beating the Cubs in a six-game uh, well-fought series. Beautiful. I love well, to hear it. We've got our predictions. Uh, we'll see probably by Thursday if they come to fruition. You know we like to sim quick here uh, in the playoffs. JMO, yes, we see that you just put hashtag no respect. We'll see if that is um, unfounded or not here coming up. For D. Rich, Trent, and our special guest, Ben Snyder, I am Jake, wishing you all a fantastic day. We will talk to you later and see you in Slack. Peace.